Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu. Wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina. Man yahdihillah falamudillalah. Wa man yudlil falahadiyalah. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah wahduhu la sharika lah. وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبحث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فلن أستقى الحديث كتاب الله وخير حدي حدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشرعوا محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار وبعد فحياكم الله جميعا وبارك الله فيكم وعلى الله سبحانه وتعالى رؤوج يؤم ويعتندس على الله بس جلسة this gathering to be one which is a gathering of Baraka. What I intend, inshallah, to discuss with yourselves today in uh, these short minutes, and it's, uh, inshallah, something ala wajl ikhtisar, as they say, in a manner which is brief, is that I wanted to discuss with yourselves some advices pertaining to the affair of marriage in light of the Quran and the Sunnah in light of the Quran and the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for no doubt all of us are in need of the reminder all of us are in need of the reminder and all of us are in need of advice for one another whether we be individuals that are not married but we are at the age where we are seeking marriage or if we be individuals that are married and we are navigating the whole process of being married living through the years of marriage finding out about our spouses and how to live with them in harmony. Or an individual that is married, and he finds himself in a scenario where he may find some hardship to his marriage. What is the best manner that the person navigates himself throughout those hardships? And likewise, it could be an individual that is divorced. He was married. However, his marriage was, his marriage was not successful. And so thus, in this scenario, how does he deal with that affair of divorce? So, this is something which is, no doubt, marriage itself in Islam, and what's been legislated in the deed, is one which is applicable to many of us, and about the vast majority of us. And the side advices are applicable to many of us, and Allah Ta'ala knows best. And where I wish to begin, inshallah ta'ala, is with what everything begins with. What I first want to discuss with you, inshallah, is what everything begins with. And what is that, ikhwah? After the basqal. Intention. What does everything in, in our team begin with? Near, taqwa, someone says. 
Chalas, we're getting very close. It might be in what though? Everything in terms of Adin begins with one thing. Tawhid. Everything must begin with Tawhid. Everything must go back to Tawhid of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. So the first thing we should discuss in terms of Tawhid itself is that no doubt the Muslim believes in the existence of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. And that the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is affirmed by four things. The existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is affirmed by way of four things. The first is his fitrah. So the natural disposition of a person enables us to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Lord of all of creation. That Allah Azawajal is the only one worthy of worship. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-A'la, is the most high. Allah Ta'ala states, Sabbihis barabbika al-A'la. Glory be unto your Lord, the most high. And this is something which the fitra is in agreement with. That we're born upon that affair. That we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Lord of the world of creation. We believe that he is the only one worthy of worship. And we believe that he's the most high. The second, is what is referred to as the aql, the intellect. That our intellect allows for us to ponder upon the ayat al-kawniya, the ayat, the signs of the creation itself, to ponder upon these signs and to deduce from those signs, Barakallahu Fikul, that there must be a creator for that creation. That we understand when pondering upon the intricacies of the creation that they're brought about in terms of the existence from Allah Ta'ala, the creator. The, set, the third, rather, the third thing after the aql is what is referred to as the naql. The naql, that which is transmitted. And that which is transmitted is referring, no doubt, to the text, the Quran and the Sunnah. In every salah we say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, all praise due to Allah, the Lord of all creation. So we affirm this affair. That Allah Ta'ala is the Rabbil Alameen. And we affirm his existence. We affirm the wujud of Allah by way of that which Allah Ta'ala has informed us of. Informed us of way of the Quran and the Sunnah. And then the fourth is the existence of the Mu'jizat. The existence of the Mu'jizat in the miracles. At the hands of the prophets and messengers. That these miracles can only have occurred with the permission of Allah. So a miracle generally is what we understand to be something that occurs <coughs> which differs and is unique from what is, gen what is naturally, or something that is naturally we know to occur. So for example, the splitting of the moon. For example, Musa alayhi salam Telling the the, the staff to a snake. These are all examples. However, none of these things could have occurred except with the existence of Allah, and except with the permission of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Thereafter, we have. Thereafter, we have. If we affirm the existence of Allah by way of these four things. And we affirm that Allah Ta'ala is the Khaliq of Razik. He's the one that creates. He's the one that sustains. He's the one that gives life. He's the one that brings about death. Then by way and as a, uh, a necessity, then no doubt he's the only one worthy of worship. He's the one that's bestowed upon us, these ni'am. Allah Ta'ala is the one that's bestowed upon us, these blessings. In reality, we cannot... We cannot Add these blessings. We cannot 
as an individual cannot enumerate his blessings. And so, the Abdul Shakir, the servant which is truly Shakir, the one that is truly grateful, has to turn to Allah in obedience. This affair of Rububiyyah goes hand in hand as Mutalazim with the affair of Uluhiyyah. Once you've affirmed the Rububiyyah of Allah, the Lordship of Allah, the existence of Allah, the actions that He bestows upon us, it's upon you, you have to worship Him alone. If you've affirmed that Allah is the one who created us, and He has always brought us into, into existence, then, of course, He's the only one that's worthy of worship alone. And so thus, this is why Allah Ta'ala states, This is why Allah Ta'ala states, if you don't create the jinn, no one of mankind except to worship me alone. Thereafter, we understand that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala did not create us with this first wajib, this first obligation, and leave us without any means of coming to know of that obligation. Rather, He Azawajal has sent prophets and messengers to convey that obligation of Tawheed to us. So Allah Ta'ala states, وَلَقَدْ بَعَفْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رُسُولًا that I've sent to every nation a messenger with the command to worship Allah Ta'ala alone and stay away from the false deities. So it's something that is sent to every nation. A messenger that is sent to every nation. And so, no doubt, the seal of all of those prophets and messengers is the Nabi and the messenger of this Ummah, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that which he has come with by way of his Sunnah is the Sunnah which is upon Khair and the Wada in which it is upon completion and perfection. So Allah Ta'ala states, Al Yawm Akbantu Lakum Dinakum, Watamantu, Watamantu Alaikum Diabati, Waraditu Lakum Islam Adina. Allah Ta'ala states, Today I completed my favor upon you. Perfection religion for you, a chosen Islam as your religion. Chosen Islam as your religion. I everything that we do in accordance with the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is upon perfection. It's upon completion. And so the importance why we wish to discuss this affair of Tawheed first and Sunnah first. We're discussing any topic is that we must understand that everything goes back to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything goes back to the central reason as to why we are here within this dunya, to worship Allah. And so when a person becomes engrossed with affairs of the dunya, when he becomes engrossed with the affair of trying to get married, when he becomes engrossed with the trials of marriage itself, when he becomes engrossed with the difficulties of just navigating the dunya itself, it should always refer the affair back to Allah. Refer the affair back to the reason for his existence, which is worship Allah Ta'ala alone without any partners. And refer the affair back to the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so the first thing, though, that the person should address when it comes to marriage itself, is that the person should seek to follow the advice of the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam For indeed As we mentioned Perfection Is following his way And the one that is seeking to be upon Tawheed And seeking to worship Allah In the best way possible Follows his way Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And so The first thing is that a person seeks marriage And how should he seek marriage Except That he follows the advice of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where he states Ya ma'ashur al-shabaab Man yasati'a bilkum al-ba' for it is always O gathering of youth Whoever is from you whoever is able from you to marry then let them marry and this is advice of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam encouraging the person to marry their youth encouraging the person to marry when they're able to within their youth for no doubt, 
when the person marries within their youth, it aids them when it comes to lowering the gains and aids them when it comes to preservation of the private parts, preserving and protecting the person from zina. And so the person, no doubt, he should reflect upon that. First and foremost, that when he's seeking marriage, he seeks, no doubt, to fulfill this command of the message of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He seeks to fulfill that command of the Nabi, alayhi salatu wasallam. Where he's commanded to, to worship, to, to marry as soon as he's able to do so. And to not be from those individuals, that place barriers in front of themselves, that may not be barriers which are, yeah, I need barriers which have any due rights to be placed there. So a person may say, I'm going to wait till I get to this age before I get married. I have to wait till I get to 25 before I get married. Or I have to wait till I finish this till I get married. No doubt, the Messenger of Allah sallam, made the statement and it's muqayyad. And the statement was bound and it was conditional upon istita'ah. It was conditional upon the one being able to do so. Having the ability to do so. And no doubt, when we understand ability, then the ability is that the person is able to run a household in accordance with the Qur'an and the Sunnah effectively. If the man is able to get married and he's able to run the household in accordance with the Qur'an and the Sunnah, he effectively. He's able to be the abir of that household and the ruler of that house. He's able to, by way of when he comes forth and he steps forth and he seeks marriage from a wali, a guardian, of a woman, that he is able to do so in a manner where he says that I'm able to preserve that household, establish that household upon Quran and the Sunnah. So not that, that, re that requires that the person is able to spend from his wealth. But before all of that as well, is that the person is able to establish that he has enough knowledge that he could run that household. But again, it's important that the person does not make it conditional and make, a, and make, a, make it bind upon himself that he has vast amounts of wealth. For no doubt, that, that time may never come. But if your person is able to effectively run a household, then he should hasten towards his advice from the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu and likewise, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi mentioned the same narration and the one that is not able to the person that's not able to fast uh, the one that's not able to marry rather then they should fast and so this no doubt is advised or told jihad from the Prophet Sallallahu to aid the individual when he's seeking to remove himself from the fitting of this dunya and so the person, no doubt, if he's not able, if he's not, if he's not a person that can fulfil that, and he cannot fulfil those conditions, either the condition of ability to marry, then he should fast. And embark upon fasting. Whether it be the Mondays or Thursdays, whether it be the fast of Dawood. The person should seek to do so. I take from his advice of the message of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Likewise, as when a person seeking marriage, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he mentions to zawaj al wadud al wulu. I marry the loving, forbearing, and childbearing woman. For indeed, anabakaifinu kubikum. Yawm al-Qiyamah. Yani, I will boast great numbers by way of you on Yawm al-Qiyamah. And so this is from the characteristic that the person seeks from a wife. That a person seeks a particular, these particular characteristics from a wife. 
And so that's the person first and foremost when seeking marriage. Again, should not place these barriers in front of themselves. And a common barrier that a person may place in front of themselves is that they say that the person must be from this particular race or this particular tribe. And they say, if the person's not from this race or this tribe, then I won't marry from them. So no doubt the person restricted themselves. And the person, no doubt, going back to what we discussed at the beginning, their focus should be upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. They should be focusing upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And that they should adhere to this affair of Zuhud. Adhere to the affair of Zuhud. Adhere to the affair of being abstinent. And detach themselves from the dunya. Essentially, this is an affair of dunya. They should detach themselves from the dunya itself. And when a person does state that I will marry, but only if they like this or they like that, one example I gave was, was the race, then all they may be doing is placing hardships upon themselves which they don't need to be placed there. And you have some people they will say, however, for example, the same example, they will say that this is something for my parents. And my parents have made this conditional upon me. My parents have said to you, I have to marry someone that is Somali. I have to marry someone that is from Pakistan. I have to marry someone that's from Bangladesh, for example. And you find that they proceed to say, my parents are racist, they're, they're everything else. And you find this is something which is common, as stated amongst the people on a regular basis. And it's something that was asked as well to our teacher, our Sheikh, our Khadija. Because it's something which is rife within the, the lives that we live in. And the advice, Salam al-Barik, was advice which was beneficial. In that he, said, he stated that first and foremost, a person shouldn't only look to give dower to their parents now at this point when they're looking to get married. Rather, they should begin with their parents in terms of dower beforehand. Calling them to Islam, calling them to the Sunnah, calling them to adhere to that which is khayyid for them. Thereafter, the person should then See to advise them about these affairs. So da'wah is an affair where no doubt is continuous. Once we're aware of an affair, so we become aware of the sunnah. For whichever means we became aware of it. And we may have, now at this point, we may have relatives that are not upon the sunnah. Whether they're just directly not upon the sunnah at all. They're Muslims or Muslim to Islam, they're individuals. That ascribe to Islam. Or there may be people that there may be individuals that are not Muslim at all. Upon us at that in that regard is that we call them to the haq. And we don't only call them to the haq when it's for our best for our benefit. So we want to get married, so now we want to call them to the truth. And if they don't accept it, then they're just racist. So rather the advice was the case of, no doubt, you begin with da'wah with your family beforehand, before any of this occurs, before you get to that stage. No doubt is, is, is a very beneficial advice. And in addition, I would say as well, that if the person feels that his family have made it binding upon him to marry from a particular race, for example, or to marry from a particular background, for that bats. If the person is able to do so, fulfill that and fulfill the wishes of their family, then there's no harm in them doing so. Allah Ta'ala states, Allah Ta'ala states,
alongside the states, worship Allah alone, do not associate anything in partnership with him, and be dutiful towards the parents. Likewise, in the hadith, when the Prophet was asked about the most beloved actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, hadith ibn Mas'ud, one of the things that he mentions is Bir Walidayn, be dutiful towards the parents. So in reality, the person should strive to do anything they can to aid them in relation to this affair of being dutiful towards the parents. So if they make a request from you, even though the request in reality may be something which may harm your search for marriage, but due to the fact that you adhere to that request as an individual, by you adhering to that request and seeking to fulfill that request, the Bi'idilai will aid you in the greater goal of you seeking to be upon Birwani Day. You seek to be an individual that is upon this affair and be dutiful towards the parents. And that is what is sought from us as individuals. Allah SWT mentions first and foremost his right within those ayat in Surah Al-Nisat. He mentions his right and the right of Tawheed, worship him alone, do not associate with anything in partnership with him. Thereafter Allah Taala mentions where be the wali day the ihsan and be dutiful towards the parents. The rights of the parents. Why? Because the rights of the parents, no doubt, are great. They're adhim. Those rights are hukuka adhima. And so no doubt the individual, if, those, if their parents do make those demands upon them, then they seek to fulfill that which has been asked of them. However, they do not, they do not state or they do not try to make something complex binding upon themselves. If the, if Allah, the message of Allah sallallahu mentions hastening towards marriage and whilst with shabab then the person should not make it binding upon himself. Anything that is outside of that. This is something that you find has become a phenomenon in this time we live in. Where the people make judgments upon small passages we have small passages, a, a small, what they call profiles, with text messages. And they make a, they make a judgment upon maybe one or two words within that passage. So they'll read the passage, and everything they feel is fine, and oh no, but height is like this. Okay, no. <laughs> or they read the passage, and they say, oh, okay, but this person is 24, and I'm looking for someone that's 23. And it's something which is continuous. However, the person does not, it's, it's important that the person does not lose sight of the reason why they're getting married. To fulfill that, that command of the message of Allah. To fulfill and adhere to this affair of ibadah. We're here to worship Allah Ta'ala alone. And hence what we mentioned, that it's upon the person to, to seek to have malazama of Zuhud. They detach from the dunya. That their only use of in the dunya, anything they take from the dunya, is so that it can aid them with ta'atillah. Anything they have from the dunya, anything that they take from the dunya, is something that aids them in being obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They do not overindulge with the dunya, just for its sake. So now, if you find that, you, that you're a person is sincere looking for marriage, but he's looking to marry so that he may be an individual that benefits in the dunya and the akhirah. He's looking for someone that may aid them in the dunya and the akhirah. Then the reality is that they must be an individual that is looking upon the affair of the deed of the individual. And so... We reflect upon that, Barakallahu Fikr. And we do not make anything over binding upon ourselves. For indeed, no doubt, the khutawat of shaitan and the steps of shaitan are clear manifest. And the shaitan 
may engage in wasa'in, in different means, in order for us to be deterred from khayr. In order for us to be deterred from khayr. So a person may come across a brother that they seem to be suitable, or a sister that they seem to be, they seem to be suitable. However, something that they see from that, something maybe, maybe relatively minuscule, causes them to reject everything that they see from that person. And that's when they reject it, may delay them in getting married. And the reality is that they delayed themselves in hastening towards something which is khayr and beneficial to them. Because the wasa'at of shaitan can be ready. It's not a case that the shaitan may call you away from or call you towards doing evil directly. It's not a case that the shaitan may call a person directly towards evil. As Ibn Qayyim he mentions that there were certain different means for the shaitan, and different steps from the shaitan to lead the servant astray. He may lead them astray by way of falling into the major actions of shirk and the likes of that. But then it may occur that the person may be led astray by way of bid'ah, innovation, or the person is led astray by way of being called to ma'asiyah, disobedience from the kaba'il from the major sins and the minor sins. However, the person also can be called away, busied away from the actions by way of engaging them with the fudul. And the fudul, barakallahu are actions, they may be actions of khayr. They may be good actions. However, they are not the correct actions for that particular time and place. And there's a better action to do in that time and place. And so our Sheikh, <coughs> Sheikh Abdullah Bukhari, Hafidullah, he mentions an example of that. Is that the person between the Adhan and the Iqamah. So he's in the masjid, and they call the Adhan. And so between the Adhan and the Iqamah, he reads Quran. No doubt, reading Quran is a righteous action. It's Catholic. It's a righteous action. However, is that the best action for them to do at the time? Is that the best action for them to do at the time? No. What is a better action for them to do at the time, which is legislated for them to do at the time? A dua. So it may not be the case that the Shaitan will call you towards evil directly. An example of that is a person may be called towards recitation of Quran, for example, between Adan and Iqabah. However, there's a better thing for them to do at that time. And this could be for the means of the shaitan. So go back to our moldu of today, the topic of today. The person may find someone that's suitable. However, from the wasabs of shaitan may enter upon them and call them towards other than that, which is good. So the person says, this is something which is common. The person says, no, I know I found this person, I found this sister. And I'm happy, I'm happy with this system, but you know what? I'm going to leave it so I can go and seek knowledge. As if they are mutually exclusive. That if the person seeks knowledge, then in that regard, they can't get married. But the reality is they're not mutually exclusive. exclusive. It's not one, you can do one and then you can't do the other. And you should have placed one something that is maybe better for you at that time in place of something which is... Which is Maybe not as good for you at that particular time. And so this is the first thing that I wish to uh, discuss with yourselves, Barakallahu Fikul. Is that the person, no doubt, when they see the advice from the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to hasten towards righteous actions, I hasten towards a particular action, then they need to take it seriously. Because no doubt, he, alayhi salatu wasalam, did not command us with something except that it's for our maslaha, except that it's for our benefit. And it did not warn us against something, except that it's for, it's to our detriment. It's harmful to us. The second thing I want to discuss about the Quran is when it comes to the affair of living in marriage itself. And 
directly discussing the fate of the husbands. Where a man, he understands, because from the foundations of his hukuk, he understands that he is the one that is the leader of the household. He is the one that is the leader of the household. And by way of that which he is upon, the household must follow. And so, everyone is well aware of the haq of the husband when it comes to the affair of him being obeyed within the household. So he's obeyed by the wife. He's obeyed by the children, no doubt. Allah Ta'ala states, That's the rijal have been given authority over the nisa, over the women. The men have been given authority over the women. So they're well aware of that. However, the reality of that, Barakalofiku, is that the man has the authority over the woman when it comes to him calling to good and establishing good within that household. And he has authority <coughs> because of by way of that which he spends. He spends for that household. The infaq, the spending upon the household is from the father and from the husband. He is the one that spends upon the children. He is the one that spends upon the wife. <coughs> if there's anything from the bills of the house or the obligation of the house, then it goes back to the father. So it's not a case where the man says that I must be obeyed and it's absolute. No matter what. For Allah Ta'ala has commanded us and informed us. Allah wa Obey Allah and obey the messenger and those that have been given authority over you. Those that are the leaders amongst you and the rulers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Barakallahu Fikum. Atiya Allah. Obey Allah. This is, obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one which is absolute. I obey Allah in every single affair. Wa atiya rasul And obey the messenger. I disobedience to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa absolute. For indeed, he, alayhi salatu wasalam, he is, his speech and that which is upon is a sunnah. It's wahid. It's revelation. Thereafter, Allah Ta'ala mentions, وَأُولِ الْعَمْرِ بِنْكُمْ And those that have been given authority over you. Those that have been given authority over you, Barakullah Fikum, is referring, first and foremost, to the leaders amongst the Muslims. To the leaders amongst the Muslims. However, Allah Ta'ala does not mention the word before it, atiyu, and obey. Why? Because the obedience to the ruler is not an obedience which is absolute. Obedience to the ruler is an obedience as long as the ruler is not commanding you with ma'asiyatillah. As long as the ruler is not commanding you with disobedience to Allah. So obedience to Allah is absolute. Obedience to the messenger is absolute. Obedience to the ruler is not absolute. It's, 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 an, it's an obedience as long as you've not been commanded with disobedience to Allah. And so thus, the ruler can also be regarded as being the ruler of the household. The leader of the household. And so when a man establishes a household with his wife, and no doubt it's upon that wife to be obedient to her husband, and be submissive to her husband, it's upon that husband to establish that household upon khayr, to establish that household upon good, establish that household upon the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. For no doubt, 
although it's an obligation for the woman to obey the husband, as long as it's not disobedience to Allah, the husband should be making or should seek to make that affair of obedience easier upon the wife. How does he make it easier upon the wife? Except that he is a person that has demonstrated that he is trustworthy. And he has sound judgment. And a person that has sound judgment, no doubt, is the one that takes the affairs back to Allah and his messenger. He refers the affairs back to Allah and his messenger. He refers the affairs back to the Quran and the Sunnah. Allah Ta'ala mentions, فَلَا وَرَبُّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ فِي مَا شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ ثُمَّ لَا يَجِلُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَرَجًا بِمَا قَضَيْتَ وَسَلِّمُونَ تَسْلِيمًا Allah Ta'ala mentions that they, they do not believe, and they are not truly believers, until they make you a judge, and the messenger of Allah and his sunnah, a judge in the affairs that occur between them. And they do not find within their own selves resistance in that judgment that is made. And they have an absolute submission to it. And this is how a person should leave his household. Go back to the Quran and the Sunnah. Adhering to the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That he seeks to be an individual that runs the household where the wife knows that any decision that he makes, he's referring back to Allah and his messenger. So when he makes a decision, and, it's, and now it's binding upon the wife to obey the husband in that regard, it's easier for her to obey her husband. Because now in this regard, she knows that he has sound judgment. That he makes the affair of the Sunnah Maqaddam. He gives presence to the Sunnah, the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That's why when we state Ahlu Sunnati wal Jama'ah, that we are Ahlu Sunnati wal Jama'ah, it's because it's the people of the Sunnah that have been brought together and they give presence to the Sunnah over and above the opinions of men and the desires of men. And the person not overcome by way of his desires or by way of his emotions. He seeks to run the household in accordance with that which is the, the book of the Sunnah. And so no doubt, if the wife sees that from the husband, then it becomes easier for her as a, as a person upon Sunnah, that strives to be upon the Sunnah, it becomes easier for her to obey that husband as well. And so no doubt, and this is advice, I guess, first and foremost. It's advice, first and foremost, to the husbands. Be examples, be good examples to your families. Be individuals that are taken as good examples to your families. And that best of examples, no doubt, is the example of the Prophet Wasallam. As he alayhi salatu wassalam mentions, Khairukum, the best of you, because those are best to their families. And the best of you are those that are best to their families. And so this is how we should conduct ourselves with our families. And the best nature we can have with our families, no doubt, is that we nurture them upon the haq. You may find an individual, he complains about his wife. He will state that his wife is disobedient. Or he complains about his wife. He complains about the conduct of his wife. And then the natural question that is asked to them is what have you done in terms of nurturing that wife upon Islam, upon the Sunnah, upon obedience essentially? And generally, maybe the response would be that they're busy, they're too busy to do anything 
or they don't do much. So no doubt, it's upon us to reflect upon that as well. Just as we seek for our own children to be upright and obedient. The individual that has entered a marriage, then what is upon him and what is important for him in order to make that marriage successful. Like anything he does, any action he does, that action must be preceded by what Intention, love, and knowledge. That affair must be preceded by him. And so when a person engages and embarks upon marriage, whether it be the husband embarking upon a marriage and seeking to establish a household, or whether it be the wife beginning a marriage, entering a new household, upon them is to seek knowledge. First and foremost, to seek knowledge of the rights of that they are due themselves. As well as the rights that are due to the other spouse as well. But no doubt what you find when it comes to marriage itself is that marriage cannot be successful if the person is not fulfilling the rights of the other party. And so it's important, first and foremost, that the person seeks and is well aware of their own rights. So if it's a husband, he's well aware of the rights of the husband. And if it's the wife, she's well aware of the rights of the wife. Why, why do you think it's important that you know your own rights? So they don't ask, maybe not, they don't ask for that which is, uh, exceeds that which is your due right. What else is what? If you, if you don't get it, then you're not disappointed. Like if you don't get it? If you don't get something, you might have like too high expectation, but in reality that's not, like you're not entitled to that. So it's linked, it's linked to the first thing you said, so you don't, it's, you're not seeking something exceeding the, the rights. But also essentially as well, as a husband or as a wife, you want good for your spouse. You want good for them. So you want that they fulfill the rights of, the, of, of every individual that they need to fulfill their rights for. It just so happens that this, this, in this scenario, it's your own rights as an individual. So it's not a case now that you are merely just seeking the rights of the spouse or your own rights, should I say, due to the fact that you are only invested in your own maslaha as an individual. That you're only invested in your own benefit as an individual. But rather, you look at the rights of the spouse because you are an individual that wants good for your spouse. But essentially, this is your companion. And you want your companion to be upon the as the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions, Abar ala dini khalili, falyangul ahadukum man yukhal. The individuals upon the religion of his companion. So look to who you take on as that companion. So the spouse is a companion. The spouse is a companion in the same manner that we know that each and every one of us we take companions and friends outside of that union of marriage. And so, we seek and we understand our rights so that we ensure that they, the, the other party is fulfilling those rights for their own good. And of course, as well, we seek to find out the rights of the other spouse to ensure that we as individuals are fulfilling those rights, those rights as well. That we are fulfilling the rights of the other individual. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not established the rights of individuals except that it's for our maslaha, for our benefit as individuals, as well as the general benefit of the marriage itself. And so, when a person embarks upon marriage, 
These are the things that he should seek to study and be well aware of and understand how to fulfill each of these rights. What else do you believe we should study? What else should we study? What do you say? Now, if you study the rights of the spouse, you study his own rights. Now, what else? Marriage, yeah. Oh, yeah, then we're marriage. Rights of children, this is something that may occur quickly. We have children, inshallah. How to settle disputes. And looking at the asbab, our asbab of talak, rather. The means and the reasons why you find people separate and divorce. And you study these things not in a manner, or not, not as an individual that may be someone that is negative in the way that they're thinking, but you study these things because you want to avoid them. You study these things so you, you avoid them and you become aware of them. The first and the greatest reason why this occurs and the splitting occurs and different from the spouse, between the spouses occurs goes back to the rights. That one or both parties are not fulfilling the rights of that other party. And so because of that, you find that the individuals begin to split. And they begin to differ. And that they, they differ and they leave off the hadith of the Sunnah of the Nabi The guidance that came from the Sunnah of the Nabi Likewise as well, you may find that individuals, they lose certain characteristics, or take on certain characteristics, they take on certain characteristics which are blameworthy, and they lose or they, they become less or deficient when it comes to praiseworthy characteristics. For example, sabr. That the person decreases when it comes to the patience that they have with people. And so no doubt... They don't engage with someone when it comes to the patience that they have. And this increase, increases causes of conflict. Likewise, as well, I'd link to that for what a person should study and be aware of is being aware of not only the reasons for splitting so you don't avoid them, but also the ahkam of talaq as well. Some of the rulers when it comes to talaq, some of the rules when it comes to uh, divorce because what you find is that those that are <coughs> jahil in that regard so they have ignorance in that regard they end up in disputes with the spouse and generally it's, it's, you may find it's from the rajal because it's the men that have the that generally have the right to, to give the talaq and then they will say <coughs> and they will come and come forth <coughs> with questions that I said this to my wife isn't talaq. Or I said this, but the scenario was like that, and it was and they build they build a whole scenario. Now they're not they're not aware of whether it's talaq or not. And so they build a whole scenario surrounding that whole event. And they'll ask, is it talaq or not? Or she said this, is it talaq or not? Not knowing that she can't give talaq. And so, each and one of these things, the person, no doubt, should seek to have knowledge of them. Again, to avoid it. For no doubt, the person may not know that the shopping is common, but the person may not be aware that the person can give talaq and he divorce the spouse when it comes to, or in a manner where they believe that they're just joking. So they say it as a joke. However, it's something which is uh, valid. It's valid shara. And so the person knows that they should seek to have knowledge in this affair. And not only have knowledge in it, but have knowledge so they can avoid it. Have knowledge so that they can avoid it. In any scenario where 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained that is a curse that they divorce, they actually do divorce. Then upon them is to know the rulings of what happens in divorce. So they do not just act upon emotion. They do not act upon that which they believe to be best in that scenario. Not going back to the Quran and Sunnah. Again, as we mentioned, everything goes back to the Book of Allah and the Sunnah, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Everything. Whether we regard it as being something positive, whether we regard it as being something negative. A positive affair in our life, negative affair in our life. So in the positive marriage itself, no doubt we go back to the Quran and the Sunnah. And this is something generally what you find with the, with the people when it comes to the zawaj and the marriage, they go back to the Quran and Sunnah. And for the one that is the one that has tabasim or intisab to Sunnah, the one that ascribes to the Sunnah, I salafiya, this is Amal Yasir, it's easy. Why? Because they're happy, they get married. So go back to the Quran and the Sunnah. Sahel. But when it comes to the talaq, I dispute a marriage or marriage discord, I divorce. Well, now it's a case of high emotion, negative emotion. Going back to the Quran and the Sunnah becomes an affair which is surrounded by su'uba, surrounded by difficulty. However, just as it, as it was an obligation then, it's an obligation there as well. And so know that in every affair that we have, we see that that affair is upon khayr and mubarak. That is upon khayr and it's a blessed affair. So one thing, well, the final thing we mentioned in relation to this, is that when you find individuals that they will divorce the wife, and then they divorce the wife in a manner which is, as, uh, uh, as the Ahlul Ibn mentioned, the scholars mentioned, is a manner which is bid'i, in a manner which is not in accordance with the Quran and the Sunnah. So they may divorce the wife while she's on her medicines, for example. Which is haram. Or they may divorce the wife and state the talaq three times at once. It's bid'ah. Or what you find, and this is the most common, is that they state the talaq, and at that point they say, go back to your parents' house. And there's no inter-period. Or there's three months or the, or the woman lives out the inter-period within her family home. She lives out the in the period within her family home or within her own home, wherever she may be. But the, the spouses do not stay within the same home. Shaykh Al-Fahmi mentions that the in the period, the woman must stay within the home of the husband for that, that complete period of time. She must beautify herself just as she would beautify herself as, as the wife, as in the scenario where she's his wife. And so this is how, if the person sincerely wants to be a person of sunnah in all scenarios, then they must follow the sunnah when it's a time of ease, and follow the sunnah when it's a time of difficulty. And that the individual reality, he is an individual that goes back to ibadah, worshipping Allah at all times. And then here is the worship of Allah at all times. And hold on to the sunnah at all times. And if he does that, no doubt you find that this individual in the life Ta'ala will be successful. So let's go back to this affair of adhering to the Quran and Sunnah when we're looking for the spouse. In the marriage itself, making that marriage, making that family one which is strong and fortified upon the Book of Allah, the Sunnah, the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Why? Because the family itself is just a small part of society at large. And so when the family is successful, then it plays a part in a successful society. For know that if you look at, every, if you have every family that put a Quran and Sunnah in the society, for example, they put a Quran and Sunnah, Ta'awra Dur The family which incorporated upon righteousness and piety, and they incorporate other families of righteousness and piety then that strengthens the society. So everyone has their part to play. Everyone has their part to play when it comes to strengthening that, that family unit and strengthening the society at large. Allah Ta'ala knows best. 
And this, after that as well, as we mentioned, this is, this is fulfilled by way of the individuals fulfilling the rights of the spouse. Fulfilling the rights of the husband, fulfilling the rights of the wife. And just to end with the light Allah, as my, my throat is uh, nearly finished. So just to end, as I said, my throat, so I'm going to let you, you, you probably do the talking with Allah. Who can name for me some of the rights of the husband and thus the, some of the rights of the wife, inshallah. Some of the rights of the husband beginning to beginning with that, inshallah. What are some of the rights of the husband? That he's obeyed? He's obeyed as long as he's judging according to the Quran. That's one thing. He's obeyed. The rights of the husband. We've got rights, you don't know what your rights are. <laughs> no. That's his right? The right of the husband. That the wife doesn't let someone enter that he's not happy with. That the wife does not let, let anyone enter his home, that from his rights that no one can enter his home, that he is not pleased with entering the home. No. No, Chef. Masmak. Well, I bought a tan foolish. Well, I said, 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 She doesn't. She doesn't fast without his permission. Now, nah. so so Ramadan. The Nawafi. The Nawafi. Now, he doesn't spend the wealth except that is to that which he's pleased with. Now, so healthy about Mashallah. Tell the rights of the wife. Rock is what it's called. This one there. You, uh, you house her to the standard she's used to. You house her to a, to a good standard, to a standard that she's used to. You house her to a good standard, the one that she's used to, yeah. He spends upon her, feeds and clothes. Spends upon her, feeds and clothes her. He teaches her, he nurtures her. He nurtures her upon Quran and Sunnah. Yeah, nurtures her, advises her upon upon the faith. No, no. Marry a second wife to make a problem for her. I don't think you're being serious. Now, I thought you said Ahmed. You shouldn't abuse her. You shouldn't, abuse her. You shouldn't verbally abuse her physically. So basically, he should be kind. The words that he uses with the wife, he should be kind in the words that he uses towards the wife. And when addressing the wife, he's addressing the wife with kind words. Now, but these things are soften the heart. <laughs> Get enough stuff by cultivating her. Raising the children. Raising the children. Raising the children. Is that is that her right? Both. It's both rights in terms of cultivating. But he if anything, he makes this he makes the household conducive and allows her to, to raise to be able to raise the children with ease. Now so he doesn't make it difficult for her to raise the children. Relax on that. Allah Father, you pay for the wife now as well. You pay for the wife now. 
Something like a hairy one. Like a funnel. I've said after that, that one day, I don't want to go to that side anymore. Zakum la khaira, al-hayakum Allah. Zakum la khaira. Wa sallallahu wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sallallahu wa ta'ala wa 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 alihi wa sallallahu wa ta'ala wa